0: Me and everybody said amen. Amen. Um, guys, I'm excited to be here this morning. I want to first of all say thank you, John, for allowing me to do this. Um, I never in a million years, being somebody that grew up on Beasley's Bend Road and Tomlinson Road, that I've passed this church a million times growing up. I passed this church every single time I came to town, I passed this church every time I went anywhere. And I can stand humbly today and say, thank you, God, for what he has allowed me to do. I'm just, I'm very thankful. But guys, I want you to go ahead and turn to Luke 7, 11 through 17. The title of this message is, I say unto thee, arise. I say unto thee, arise. Um, I'm thankful today. I'm thankful for what John has allowed me to do. I'm thankful for what Jesus has allowed me to do. Uh, Adrian Rogers said it best. They said, Adrian, are you the best preacher in all the world? And he said, no, I am not the best preacher in all the world, but I do tell you that I preach the greatest gospel in all the world. And that it is not about us, but it is about Him. And He is good, and He is merciful, and He is everything that He claims to be. Amen? Uh, This year has been wonderful. I'm I'm celebrating my first year here, and uh, I can just stand in awe of every single day that I come that I'm like, man, Lord, thank you for what you've been allowed me to do. Now, this year has not been perfect. Uh, I, I didn't know my nickname would be what it has become. We could do without that one. I didn't know that my first baptism would be outside, John, and that it would go so awry. I I forgot all the words to the the baptism. I mean, it happens. And even my first prayer here, I had just gotten started. And I stood right here, and I was a nervous wreck. Yeah, I'm a nervous wreck. That's, I just suffer with it. It is what it is. I'll work these buttons clean off this jacket today. It is what it is. <laughs> but I remember the first time that I got to pray, and I said, dear Lord, I just got one word for you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. And I heard that for the next two months. Every time I passed somebody, it wasn't, Brandon, we're so thankful we're here. They would say, Brandon, I just got one word for you. And I'm like, golly, come on. (laughs) I said, I can't get no respect. And then I got my little Debbie thing going, and I'm saying, ain't nobody ever going to invite me to come nowhere. (laughs) But I am thankful. And uh, today, I got to this message, I have been preparing for about a month or so, but It wasn't this message that I had been preparing the whole time. Uh, I thought I was going three or four different ways. And I'd go into Chris's office or Troy's office or John's office, and I'd be coming, and I'm getting books, and I'm, Lord, you're going to let me do this, and this is what I'm going to do. And then it wasn't a week ago that he said, that ain't what you're going to do. You're going to preach this. And I said, okay, Lord. Just going to tell you a simple story about Jesus this morning. It's all about him anyway, amen? It ain't about me. It's not about how smart that I want to try to pretend that I am because I'm not. God, uh, He is able to use anybody. And if I can stand before you today and give you any kind of encouragement, that if God can use me, He can use you. And that if He can uh, do what He has allowed me to do, He can do it with you. But just going to tell you a story about Jesus. And this story is about two crowds. It was two crowds, and we're going to read in Luke 7, starting in verse 13 and 14. It said, And when the Lord saw her, saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier, And they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, arise can we pray dear heavenly father lord just thank you for your blessings that you give us thank you for those that are here today Uh, lord don't let it be about me but let it be about you god it's all about you we're all here today because of you lord let us not be here for obligation let us not be here because of habit but let us be because we want to be closer to you and seek you. And Lord, I know today that there are all kinds of people in this room. There are people that are suffering. There are people that are struggling. There are people that are lost. And there are people that don't even know why they're here. But you know why they're here. And Lord, I pray God today that you do only what you can do. And what you did in my heart so many years ago, I pray that you still do today and you save souls. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see two crowds today. One crowd is traveling in absolute despair. Now, I want you to get your mind of what this woman was going through before we kind of get going. Amen? This woman was traveling in absolute despair. This woman has just about to bury her only son. I mean, imagine that. That is horrific. And not only is she about to bury her only son, she is a widow. So she is about to be left all alone. The the, the message picks up with her following the parade of people to the graveyard. As she walks, I have no clue what was going through her head, but it must have been absolute torture in her mind. She must have been saying, God, what are, you, what are you doing? Don't you know that I've already lost my only son? Don't you know, God, that I've already buried my husband so many years ago? What am I going to do, Lord? Well, how am I going to make money? How am I going to survive? How am I going to make it? And as we see her going to the graveyard, she must have been weeping and she was crying. And she must have been saying, there ain't no hope in all the world left. Guys, we're living in a world that is living that exact way this morning. We are living in a world that is walking around with their head down, weeping. Is there any hope for me? Is there any purpose to this nasty old world that we're living in? Is there any purpose for the travesties that I've had to face? Is there anything, is there anybody that can explain to me that that when I'm hurting and I have buried a loved one, that there is hope beyond them just being a mistake? Is there anybody that can explain to me that when I bury my little daughter or my little son, that he was here for a reason, that it wasn't just an accident? Guys, we are living in a society today that is falling further and further and further away from Jesus every single day. They don't have the hope that you do. They don't even know what you're talking about. And we understand that that's why so much depression and so much bad is happening all around us. So we see this woman traveling in despair, led by the only son of a widow. So we see this one going... But I tell you, Jesus is good. Amen? That as she was walking in despair, come through the gate, another direction is Jesus Christ himself. Then these two sufferers meet in the middle. And her day that started with absolute horrificness and tragedy was going to be a day that she says, I can only speak of one name, and his name is Jesus Christ. This story is so special to me because this week, just this week, I've been faced with so many people, man, they're either crying or they're upset. And sometimes, man, they're even yelling at God. They're shaking their fist. God, what are you doing? There's real hurt in the world. You know that? There is real hurt. And today in our church, if the truth was revealed, Right here at Hillcrest Baptist Church, if the truth was revealed, I'm going to fix this. If the truth was revealed, I believe that everybody's life in here is different when we're at home and when you're all alone and when it's all different. I believe sometimes the church has become a place where we can start to look the part. We can drive up here in our nice cars. We can get our nice suits on. We can come set on a Sunday morning, clock out, and go out to eat, and that's what we do. And it starts to become something that we just click off our list. Lord, hadn't I gave you all, hadn't I give you all, I come and set and then I leave, let alone Sunday night Well, let alone Wednesday night. God, I've given you the favor of having my presence. But today in our church, if the truth was told, there are lost people all scattered around us. Now, these lost people aren't what you think they are. They might be Sunday school teachers. The lost people around you might even be a deacon. The lost people around you might be the most faithful church members you've ever seen. Not only are there lost people, they're saved people, amen? There's burdened people. There's depressed people. There's joyful people. There's people here that are just trying to hold on day by day. But they keep putting on... I tell the youth this all the time. They keep putting on these masks. We love to put on these shells and try to pretend that we're happy. But down deep inside, we're struggling. Down deep inside, we're wondering, God, where are you and everything? They're joyful. They're trying to hold on. There are marriages that are suffering. There are children that have went astray. There are sick. There are people worried about sick. They're worried about lost loved ones. And they're struggling to move forward and they're seeking answers and wondering where God is. That's the truth. We're not perfect, but we serve a perfect Savior. Amen? But if the truth was revealed, that's what's going on in our audience today. And you may try to hide it. You try to mask it. But there in your seat, from the balcony on down, if I could put a camera in your life that showed every bit of your life, it would show something different. It would show what we really are. And all I am is a wretch saved by God's grace. And the closer I get with God... The more he shows me that I'm a wretch, even more. But his grace and mercy feels so much greater every single day. But my friend, you aren't forgotten. Still seeking. He is still seeking. He is still saving. And he is still on the throne. Amen? And that's what he was doing for this lady today. And we're about to get started. In verse 11, verse 12. Verse 11 through 12. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. This woman, as we see, she was spiritually, emotionally, and she was soon to be, financially bankrupt. This woman had hit rock bottom. She had nowhere to turn and nowhere to go. Now, I know what it's like to be all three of those things. There was a time in my life that I was very spiritually bankrupt. I was in a hole, and there's no way that I could do any good work to get out of it. Not only was I spiritually bankrupt, I had become emotionally bankrupt from time to time, where my only hope is in Jesus. I don't know where to turn. Many of you have heard the story about me and my wife, but I tell you, there was a time that I couldn't even pray. I was so upset, but I had the people of God praying for me, and through that, I know that he is who he says he is. Where I am weak, he is strong. But then also, she was worried about her financials. Now, I'm going to say a little funny story. I like stories. So we're going to, this is going to be a funny story, I hope. When me and my wife were dating... And no, I never was much into fancy stuff, y'all. Like these shoes, I just got Saturday for y'all. Y'all know that? <laughs> I got these just for you. That's how much y'all meant to me. I was going to buy a new shoe. But anyways, I never was into a lot of fancy things, you know. I was just, you know, we grew, I grew up pretty simple. You know, I was blessed. I have what I have. But me and my wife started dating. And our first Valentine's came around. And I said, well, man, I want to go, you want to go somewhere out to eat. Now, I've never been to Nashville. I, I lived in Lebanon, never went to Nashville, never grew that. and man, I, just, I ain't going there. And so I said, but Nashville's where all the nice restaurants are, you know. I said, well, you know, what do you mean nice restaurants? old oh, Charlie's, right? And that's what, was, that's what I was, that's what I was, that's what I'm thinking. And she said, no, Brandon, I would love for you to go and take me out. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to take you out. And, man, I had, I had quizzed everybody. I had a specific restaurant in mind, and I had asked everybody, how much does it cost? Back then, we didn't have phones like we didn't. I couldn't look at up. I didn't have internet at home. And so I'm like, I'm going by what people said. I said, how much does it cost? And they all told me about 85 to 90 bucks. And I'm like, woo, that's expensive. Is she worth it? <laughs> yeah, she's worth it. <laughs> she was worth it. But I will say, I got to that restaurant. It's going to be $90. They said us, hey, Mr. Patton, we got your reservation. You know, they got my reservation. We go in. We sat down. We eat. Well, all of a sudden, while we're eating, they bring a little, some roses to the, to the table. I'm like, well, that's nice. It's Valentine's Day. They bring some roses. They give us a little teddy bear, and they put us there. I said, like, oh, ain't this nice? And then all of a sudden, they took our picture. I still got that picture. You know, we're, we're there. But then they brought us the bill. And I was prepared for $90. That's what everybody told me. I opened that little bill up. And y'all understand at 19 you have no money. I had about 150 bucks in my bank account, and that was all I had. And it was $250. And I said, Gina, I ain't got it. <laughs> I said, How much you got? <laughs> and she bought it for us. She she ended up buying all and I said, Well, thank you for taking me out for Valentine's Day. <laughs> So it's not much fun <laughs> being broke, uh, but this woman uh, was spiritually broke, emotionally broke and bankrupt. And this crowd of people following her casket, and they were following this widow mother. There was no sadder time. Her husband was gone, and now her only son was gone. And she, I hope and pray today that we can feel her sorrow, we can feel what she was feeling. This woman really existed. She was a real woman. Uh, So many years ago, this woman was real. She could feel, we could feel her sorrow. She said, and back then, most people had many children. They depended on the man for financial security. All their future help, even their property, she could lose. No doubt she would be in poverty unless somebody took her in, and she could even be homeless. And we don't know much about her son either. We don't know much about this woman other than this. And we don't know much about this son. We don't know what happened to him. We don't know if he got sick or if he got in an accident. Uh, We don't know if he had a girlfriend or a fiance. Uh, We don't know uh, much about her other than she has lost her son and and she lost her husband. But many like that today. They are worried, they are sad, and they are unsure. And they are asking the same thing that this woman said. Does God see me and does he care? Verse 13. And it says, and when the Lord saw her. Find some strength in that today. That when you are unsure and that you have no idea if anybody loves you or if anybody cares about you, Know that that same Jesus that said to this woman, weep not, that he says the same thing to you, weep not. Weep not because I'm about to do something that only I can do. I'm about to give you hope that only I can give. Amen. But many are like that. And he says, and the Lord saw her and he had compassion for her. See, these two sufferers meet. And I believe that God, the Bible talks about him being a man of sorrows, right? He relates to us. Not only is he God, he was, came in a human flesh, right? And he dealt with things as we deal with them. He left glory of heaven and entered this world. He suffered all things as we do. And he even suffered the wrath of God as a sin bearer for the whole world. He believes and he understands compassion for the hurting. He understands what we go through. All he wants us to do is come to him, to give it to him, to let him carry those burdens. But what do you think was going on through this mom's mind? Guys, I want you to put yourself in this spot. Now, you've lost people. You've been in this same situation many a times. Growing up in church, you go to a lot of funerals. I had met one. Uh, yes, there's times that you're happy that they're Christians, but man, they're all sad. There is something very sad about following a casket out of Ligon and Bobo or Seller's funeral home. It is very sad to see a casket shut for the last time. It is very sad to be following that line behind the police officer into the graveyard. It's very sad. They take that casket out, they say a few words. That casket is then lowered into the ground, click, 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 click. Some dirt is thrown on it, and a life is now over. Who they were is gone. What they did, don't matter. It's a life gone. It's over. And I don't know about you, but that's a sad reality. And she was asking, same as what many of our people are asking today, is this it? Did I deserve all this? Should I blame myself? Did the life of my son not matter? You have already taken my husband. But the Bible says in verse 13, the Lord saw her. And he said, weep not. Guys, I could not imagine today living this world without Jesus Christ. I could not imagine the tragedies and going through the heartache of this world not knowing Jesus. And it is a sad reality that there are so many people in our churches and in our communities and in our world that are living that exact way. I could not imagine life without him, tragedy without him. Where would I find hope? Guys, the graveyard is something that, man, I don't ever like going there. But when we have a funeral, I usually like to walk around. I walk around and I look at the graves. And I wonder, who are all these people? And it says their name and it says their date. And it's like, man, they live to be 30 years old. I'm 36. They've already, I've already lived longer than they did. And some of them even have a picture and maybe it's a couple. And I say, wonder how? How who were they? This person lived to be a 100 looking at this one was in World War I. This one was in World War II. But all they truly are is a name and a grave. That nobody, many don't know who they are. You see the graves that have the flowers, and you see the ones that are gone. And I believe that every year, that as time goes, that they go bare and bare and bare to where all they are is an empty grave. You say, Brandon, you're depressing me. I'm going to get somewhere with this. We go to a graveyard and we just say, man, that's all we become is a name and a number. And in this room right here, right now, within 100 years, from the children on up, everybody in this room will be gone. All we will be is a story. All we will be is a blink in time. Unless God returns in glory before that. That's all we are. The Bible calls us nothing. life is nothing but a vapor. Can't be no truer. You go to a graveyard and you start to look at the names and you're just like, Lord, is this it? Is this it? And I've seen people that have tragedies in their life and maybe it's a baby or... Maybe it was a a soldier that died in the Revolutionary War. I don't know. And all they are is people forget in time as, as years go and years go and years go and years go. We're forgotten. Everybody in this room is going to be forgotten one day. That's sad. But as we see those graves and we look at them, we see that revolutionary uh, a soldier. We see, there used to be a graveyard where I, I grew up. The graves were all sunken in. Nobody ever went there. It was all weeded up and gr- trees had, had took over the graves. Lord, what does it all matter? Well, this woman right here is going to give us an example. This man whose dad is going to give us an example of why it matters. Because though you might disappear into history, God knows you by name. He knows everybody that has ever lived. He knows everybody that has ever existed. And He cares and loves every single one of them the same. And though that I might be forgotten one day, I can know and I can have the great hope in Jesus that one day I'm going to get to go to heaven, that one day He's going to say, Son, welcome home. Guys, that is the greatest hope in all the world. And be comforted to know that Jesus knows you. That you are not forgotten that he knows you by name. It is a reminder of our own fate, but it is also a reminder that God gives us purpose and he knows us. Verse 14. This woman was thinking these things. She was thinking them. She said, Lord, what am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. And in verse 14 it says, and he came and touched the beer, the casket. And they that bear him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, arise. Jesus at this very moment was walking. He sees the woman in hurt. He sees her struggling. She's walking one direction. He's walking the other. He walks and he says, Woman, weep not. He touches that casket which made him ceremonially unclean in those days. People wouldn't they would have said don't you touch that dead man? I'm thankful today that God touched this dead man. <laughs> that he touched me and that he saved me. And this young man as he touched that casket the Bible says that that man's eyes popped wide open and that he rose up and he said mama what happened? <laughs> But I'm home. And it says that the people were like astonished. They were scared. Well, I'd be scared too, but I think they were just excited that a prophet, they said a prophet had come. No, a prophet didn't come. The God himself come. And they said, Lord, uh, I am amazed by this. An enemy has been defeated. An enemy has been defeated. And I remember the day when Jesus called me. I remember the second when he said, Brandon Patton, young man, arise. That you can continue to live in this filth that you're living. You can continue to live in this unpurposeful life that you've been living. Or you can give your life to me. And I remember the day I stuck my hands out. And I said, Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll say what you want me to say. I'm trusting only you to save me. And he did. He did. It was in a little country church in Watertown, Tennessee. There wasn't 20 people there, guys. It was a little youth revival, and there wasn't 20 kids there. And I bet you five bucks that those people, if they were like me, they were probably disappointed. Where's all the kids at? Man, we did all this work, and the kids didn't even show up. But I was there. And I'm thankful that they had it. And I'm thankful that God made it a way that I was there. Because I remember my best friend in high school said, Brandon, we're going to do a youth revival tonight. I don't want to go. I got more things to do than this. I've heard the gospel anyway. I have grew up in church. I know how to walk the walk and I know how to talk the talk. I know what it means to be churchified. I know what it means to be able to sit on a church pew every single Sunday and hear the same message every single week, but I did not know what it meant that I was a sinner. Because I started, I looked at other people. When I looked at other people in school, well, I'm better than they are. Let me tell you, you can sit in a church pew your entire life and compare yourself to everybody else, but I tell you, you are no better than a drunk on the street. We are all wretches. We are all sinners. And we all need saving. Amen? All of us. And I remember the day that my friend said, Brandon, I want you to go with me, and I want you to um, uh, go with me to this youth revival. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I said, James, is there going to be girls there? <laughs> yeah, I bet there will be. Amen man I'll go and I remember getting there and I don't remember what the preacher said oh he was probably hammering it home I don't remember what he was saying but I remember for the very first time in my life I was sitting three or four rows back I seen kids distracted I seen people doing their own thing But I have never, ever experienced a moment like that in my life where God looked down into Brandon Patton's heart and said, Brandon, I love you, and you need me. And I remember sitting in that pew, and that preacher would talk and talk and talk, and I would say, shut up, shut up, shut up. It was conviction that fell on my heart. It was a miserable feeling knowing that you're lost, and if you died, you'd be in hell. It was a miserable feeling of a burden that came over my life. And I just remember sitting there like, man, I just want to get out of here. Just let me get out of here. Can anybody give me a witness of how this feels? Where were you when God pulled you out of the mess that you were in? I remember the day that he said, Brandon, I called you by name. And he started speaking to my heart. And he said, Brandon... And that preacher got to the end of that message, and he went through all the sinner's prayer and all that stuff, and I said, "Lord, this didn't save me one lick. I did every bit of it. I said, "Lord, I raised my hand. He said, "Look at me. I looked at. I said, "Lord, I'm so lost." And the next moment changed my life, guys. He said, "I want you to get up out of your seat in front of all these people." And I want you to unashamedly tell everybody in this room what God has done for you. And I remember my butt left the seat this much. And the Lord came into my heart for the first time. And for the only time. One step of faith. God calls us to trust Him by faith. Not a big amount of faith, a little amount of faith, and a big mighty Savior is all you need. And so the reason I say this and I came up with this sermon and I said, Lord, why do you want me to be? For one, I want every Christian in this audience to never forget what God has pulled you from. That you were a dead man. That you were a dead woman. that you—that That is what you were before Jesus Christ. Before Jesus, you had no hope. You had no reason for being here. You are no more worth than a book in a pew. That's what the world was telling you. But when God swept into your life, He changed you. He gave you purpose and He gave you new meaning. He gave you a flag to follow. He gave you all of that. And He gave me hope for a future. He gave me hope for heaven. He gave me hope in times of need. He gave me hope in times of worry. He gave me hope in times of stress. Remember that. Too many Christians today walk around in such just here habit that God has become a habit. Let me tell you something. If God has become a habit to you, this altar is a special place. Do not ever let God become a habit. Do not ever forget where he pulled you from. And then for those that are lost. For the Christian today, remember your life and what your life would be without Jesus. And for the lost person, know what your life can be with Jesus. Go over to Romans 12 and I'm almost done. Romans 12 Romans I'm sorry guys, Romans 5 I don't know where I got Romans 12. Romans 5, starting in verse 15. I want every single one of you to read these verses while I read them. Now, I'm going to read them a little different than we normally read them. I'm not going to read them just straight up yet. I'm just going to take out a part. Now, often we leave God out of our lives. We we make him a habit. We we just come. We We forget where we have been, where we've become. Now, also, lost person today, know where you are. Without Jesus Christ, you're much like that woman. You're much less like that man. You were dead. You were hopeless. You have no reason for living. You're much like that grave. You think you're just going to live. You're going to die, and that's it. But in verse 5, starting in verse 5, starting in verse 15, y'all read with me on this. Listen, without God, take him out of your life. This is what you got. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. But for if through the offense of one, many be dead. So because of the offense of Adam, we've all been made dead because of sin, right? And not, in verse 16, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. Verse 17, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one. Verse 18, therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon what all men to condemnation. Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners. 20, moreover, that the law entered that the offense... Might abound that a sin hath reigned unto death that is a life without God did y'all read that did you read that news take God out of your life that's what you have left hopelessness but let's go back and read the rest amen but not as the offense, so also as the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more. Amen. The grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man. So there was a because of one sin, but because of one giving. Amen. Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift come upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might reign unto righteousness and to eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now that is the good news of the gospel. Now I believe today that there's people in all this room and you said, Brandon, I, I, you, you stumbled and you bumbled and I don't, I, just let me get out of here. Guys, there's somebody in this room today that's feeling a lot like that widowed woman. That they are saying the same thing as she did. Is there any point to this life? Is this all that there is? I can stand before you today and say, no. That's not all there is. That God has come into this world in the form of Jesus Christ. God made himself. To be our sacrifice. So he could give you a life, might not be the greatest of life, but I'll tell you what, you'll go to bed a lot better. Amen. That God loves you with an everlasting love. And I think a lot of times Christians think, or people that get in church, I see this so much even with our youth. I said, guys, you really truly believe that you're gonna be in heaven because of what you have done here at church. Guys, Hillcrest is so special. It is so special. Man, we're seeing people baptized almost weekly. John's giving the word. Man, we got a wonderful choir. It's amazing. But let me tell you, it don't get us one second in heaven. And it is a surrender to Jesus Christ. And I think a lot of times we give God our lip service. And we fall into the world because what I'm seeing with our kids is that we compare ourselves to everybody else. And even though we don't mean to, we do. Because we look at everybody else and say, man, I'm better than all the world around me. At least I am in church on Sunday morning. Let me tell you something. Judas was in church every Sunday morning too with Jesus. Jesus seen the miracles. he's seen what God did every single time. He followed him everywhere he went. But at the end of the day, Judas was lost. And let me tell you something. Don't let a church pew blind you. That you need God as much as anybody needs Him. That you need Him. You gotta have Him. You are the whosoever. You. But the good news is that God died for the whosoever. And that whosoever shall call upon His name shall be saved. Not maybe, not I hope so, shall be saved. Because everything that I am is based on what God has already done. Now, He made a promise to me. He promised me that He would never leave me or forsake me. He promised me when I trusted in Him and only Him by faith that nothing would ever pluck me out of His hand. Amen? And when God makes a promise, He makes a promise. He promised Abraham that he would take care of him, and he promises me the same promise. That, Brandon, it is not based on you, it is based on me. Now, I challenge you today, from the balcony on down, there's two kinds of people. There's people that are in sorrow, and they are sad, and you need to come to the altar and just remember what God has done for you and, the, and what he has given you, and don't you ever forget. You might be somebody that's been shaking your fist at him, but you need to remember what is your life without him. And just give Him thanks. Now, if you're lost today, I can tell you what it was like for me. I, I, God, and first of all, God can save you anywhere. It doesn't have to be up here. I do believe that there's something special about walking a church aisle in front of everybody when you're scared out of your mind. I believe in it. I believe when you are te- petrified and you have no clue and you're like, Lord, I can't do this, trust Him by faith. He'll save you from the Isn't aisle. Down here. I believe in that. And there's people here today that are feeling that conviction in their heart. And the the truth be told, if you could shine a light into your life, you would say, Brandon, I'm not who I say that I am. But let me tell you, friend, you can be what God tells you that you are if you'll trust Him by faith. And we're going to go in a moment of invitation. We're about to sing. Brother John's going to be in the middle Brother David's going to be right there. Brother Chris or deacons. they're going to be right here. They're going to be lined right here. Now, you don't have to talk to them if you don't want to. You come right to the altar and you just give it to God. But I challenge you, if you are lost today and you say, Brandon, I'm feeling that conviction, I know that if I died today, I wouldn't be in heaven, but I would be in an eternity in a hell because I have fallen short of God's glory. Not just people on the outside, but the truth be told, I'm a liar, I'm a cheat, I'm, a, I'm an adulterer at heart, I'm all these things... That's what I truly am, and that's what I, this old sinner is. But God is good, and I want you to come by faith, trusting only Him to save you. It's not about putting Him in a test tube and trying to figure God out. You can't figure God out. But it is trusting in what He has already revealed in His Son in the God's Word, and you take one step out of that pew, and you go grab somebody by the arm and say, I want to be saved.